0: This week, Soup and Swoop study the Sabbath School Quarterly for Sabbath May 2nd, titled By Scripture Alone, Sola Scriptura. Join us
1: as we seek the true meaning of this statement and the historical perspective of why it is so important. The Sabbath School Rescue podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study.
0: Sola Scriptura. You know, before I read the memory text, what does sola scriptura mean?
1: By Scripture alone.
0: Okay, well, with that in mind, let's read Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, this is the New King James Version. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart.
1: Well, I don't know how many people in our listeners may recognize this term. Sola Scriptura is really just a Latin term that became popular with the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther. Maybe you've heard of those 95 theses or protests against the Church of Rome. And he says, I'm going to go by Scripture alone. Sola Scriptura.
0: Mm. And You know, I, I pray that on the doors of our heart, we've posted the same thing. Scripture alone. Right. Indeed. And so uh, it leads us into this Sunday's lesson, Scripture as the Ruling Norm. And, Michael, as we were talking about here earlier, you uh, have come across this term and, and I guess the beginnings of it. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Well, yeah, this, this idea really became well-known more in Protestant circles. I mean, you could trace it back to the Reformation, which is what our lesson does. It's, uh, But really, the idea of a norming norm becomes popular with uh, John Wesley in the 1700s and Adventists, early Adventists, you have Ellen White, a number of early Adventist leaders that were Methodist before. So you see a strong Methodist, um, Arminian, that, that's the idea that we're focused on, on, on uh, versus uh, Ar- Ar- Arminianism versus Calvinism. Arminianism basically says we have free choice, free will. John Calvin, another one of the reformers, basically went back to Augustine saying everything's predestined. Anyways, the the long the short version of a longer story is basically is that uh, scripture uh, in this Wesleyan Methodist tradition um, is the norm through which scripture is interpreted. It's a norming norm. So rather than be some other authority through which we evaluate, it has to be scripture itself that evaluates scripture.
0: Ah, there and we go. It's a little,
1: long response, but, but it's really important to get, get that.
0: No, no. And I, I, once again, I think that knowing history and bringing this in actually normalizes it for us. Of mm-hmm. why, why do we believe that way? We have a rich tradition in uh, how we've come up with these things and we didn't just come up with them. God led holy men in the past so that we can continue that, that history in the future.
1: Yeah. And I think it also kind of levels the playing field just a little bit because rather than, uh, through tradition or culture, what we talked about last week, um, we have to make sure to be fair to Scripture that Scripture is interpreting itself. Mm. And it, there's always the danger that we could, through our blinders that we have, uh, but that's also why God calls us into community to hold one another accountable as we interpret the Scriptures.
0: I love it. I love it. So you have pulled up 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you give us uh, some highlights there?
1: Absolutely great text of scripture from Pastor Paul, and I'm reading from the Common English Bible. And basically, it's asking a question of how do we actually interpret scripture, sort of this, the same, uh, the point that this lesson is making. Uh, and he says in verse three, I don't care. I could care less if I'm judged by you or by any human court. I don't even judge myself. I'm not aware, verse four, of anything against me, but that doesn't make me innocent because the Lord is the one who judges me. Mm. So don't judge anything before the right time. Wait until the Lord does. He'll bring the things that are hidden in the dark to light, and he'll make people's motivations public, and then there will be recognition for each person from God. Brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit and I've done this so that you can learn what it means not to go beyond what has been written and so none of you will become arrogant by supporting one of us against the other Mm.
0: so once again humans are not the norming norm the Bible is the norming norm.
1: Yeah. And we even see that there's different groups in the early Christian church and they're kind of trying to vie a little bit and who they're gonna support and that kind of thing. And and Pastor Paul's saying, Hey, be careful, uh but if we allow Scripture to speak eventually there will be clarity, which we'll talk about later on this in this uh episode.
0: Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, uh let's go and continue forward and, and let's look at the unity of scripture. I and I have here a couple of texts of 1 Timothy or, or Titus one nine and Second Timothy one thirteen. I'm going to start off here with Titus one nine. It says, holding fast uh, the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine to both exhort, which means to encourage and convict those who contradict. Right. And then we have Second Timothy one thirteen. It says, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. So once again, holding on to the words, uh, utilizing it Mm -hmm. so it can bring unity, right? Not only uh, with one another, but also realizing that unity must be unified in our minds first. If we see it as a divisive piece of literature, then it have no power in our lives. But if it's unified in us, then it can be unified between us as well.
1: Yeah, you know, this raises a great question. I think a lot of people, especially critics of the Word of God, the Bible, uh, raise and say, well, how can a book written over such a, a significant uh, gap of time, uh, expansive time written by so many different persons in different, even different languages, you know, you've got the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, you know, uh, how could something that was so uh sp- disparate in so many ways actually have a coherence. And and what basically this lesson is arguing and what these scripture texts are telling us is that Yes, there are unique differences. There's different flavors, different prophets wrote in different styles and different ways at different time periods. But yet all of them, because they're inspired by God, have a united purpose. And so that's why we talked about sola scriptura. It also uses the term tota scriptura, meaning that the top, sum total of all of it is pointing in the same direction. And so it's kind of like a river. You know, You might see different logs floating down, but it's all flowing in the same direction. Yes.
0: And I will, I will clarify that and just say that direction is towards Jesus Christ. He is the revelation of scripture. He is the Alpha Limigo. and Omega. And, and with that being said, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that you told us that it's a river because we need to go along with scripture and not go up river.
1: Right. <laughs> when we start doing that and we have to start fighting and it becomes very difficult at times, but, uh, through the holy spirit if we allow our hearts to be impressed and and impressionable that god wants to take those scriptures and point us in that direction so rather than fight it let's go with it and let's point to jesus
0: you know as we're speaking of pointing towards jesus uh there's something called the clarity of scripture and once again you have another aspect here that's a little bit deeper and once again it goes back to our history Mm -hmm. please share with us michael what, what about the clarity of scripture
1: sure well using that same river metaphor that you look into a river or a lake and and looking into that water uh you can tell pretty quickly if you look behind her house there's kind of a large pond that's there and I've seen it <laughs> right now there's a lot of algae in there and let me tell you you can't see very far And there's a big difference between that and memories of when we were in the philippines serving as missionaries i tell you philippines has some of the most beautiful snorkeling in the world and wow. you can just stand above the water and look down 10 20 30 feet or more you see these beautiful corals and fishes and of course the best thing is to actually get in the water either snorkeling or scuba diving but let me tell you the water clarity there was much better than it is in that (laughs) pond behind her house and that's basically what this is talking about is clarity not only the physical clarity of water but but that's not to say, even in the Philippines, when we were there, and it's very clear that you could always see things perfectly, but you could see enough. You could know what is there. And that's the same point, I think, that this is making. And it goes back to Martin Luther, who is the same guy that we've been talking about with Sola Scriptura, with the 95 Theses and the Authority yes. of Scripture. He also is the one that came up with the, well, I'm not sure he was the first one to come up with it, but he also, right along with that concept, emphasized what is sometimes called the perspicuity or the clarity mm. of scripture and that is that the message of salvation the message of redemption and the fact that the bible is pointing to jesus is so clear that even though all the other differences that are there that that clarity of the message of salvation is overwhelming that even a child can understand it
0: you know i i the so beautiful about what you're saying there is because Jesus himself utilized scripture yeah. to explain scripture. He did. Which shows the clarity of it. Yeah, he could he could have just flowed off the top of his mind, although he flowed off the top of his mind, it still would have been scripture because he is, once again, the revelation of scripture. But uh, what you're saying here is the fact that Jesus even utilized scripture shows its depth, shows its clarity, shows its per- uh, perspicuity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a self-evident thing, and that's that's part of the beauty of Scripture.
0: Yeah, and I love Martin Luther, and I love the fact that you know so much about him that you can even bring out that point that I I didn't know before this. So that's it's amazing. So uh, now we talked about the clarity of Scripture. We talked about the Scripture itself. Uh, how does how does one in, interpret Scripture? I guess you can ask.
1: Well, the lessons guiding us all the way as we're going through this kind of bring us back again to where we've already been about uh, on Sunday's lesson about uh, scripture being the norming norm. But that road to Emmaus walk that Jesus had that's recorded for us in Luke chapter 24. Yes. Uh, We've referred to it already several times in this quarterly, and we'll probably refer to it again because it's such a a key moment in how we understand and and interpret scripture uh, in the word of God. And, and Jesus is doing that very thing. He's, he's opening to them the scriptures and explaining to them, comparing scripture with scripture. And so Jesus, this is the model and example we have from Jesus himself of how we are to go about uh, studying the Bible as the word of God. Jesus did that. And uh, we should allow scripture to interpret itself and do the same thing.
0: You know, uh, I, I couldn't put it a better way, which is we need to utilize the scripture as Christ did uh but that's gonna take a life of lo- lifelong of learning, right yeah uh, we have to commit ourselves to knowing scripture of being engrossed in it if not, yeah. how will we ever do it and one of the things I'm going to speak to parents right now uh when Jesus was twelve he uh, he amazed the the uh priests in the temple with his knowledge of scripture and, mm. and so we'll say, well, it's because he was the son of God, no, it was also uh, as we learn from the desire of ages. It was his parents, especially Mary, who actually placed scripture within her son so that scripture could flow out, which is why we don't wait till we're adults and start reading Sabbath school quarterly to start learning about the Bible. It's important for us to start teaching our children, placing it within them. So as they're maturing, it's in them as well.
1: You know, the scripture is life, words of life. And another way to do that is, you know, I just encourage you. Um, or your families, to be thinking about having family worship. It doesn't have to be complicated, no. and you don't even have to be the one to do it. You can have your kids read the scripture or have them act it out, do a little skit or explain it or some little application, and, and just taking a little bit of time each and every day as, a, as an individual. But also for those of you that have families, think and, and remember the importance of um, just exposing constantly the Word of God in your home. I was talking with one of my good friends and mentors. He said, you know, the biggest mistake in my life, and he's someone that I think some of our listeners would probably readily recognize. I'm not going to mention that person's <laughs> name. But he said the biggest mistake in my life was not to continue having family worship. Mm. And uh, later on, his kids kind of moved out away from the church and stuff like that. So don't be afraid to expose your family on a regular basis every day to scripture as the word of god it does make a difference amen quarantine with christ that's I the like key it. word today right <laughs> yeah that's, that's catchy yeah, let's do it that it is
0: so let's uh go ahead and end here with Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura, once again, and Ellen White. Oh, my. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Michael, this is your wheelhouse once again.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I can't help it with a little bit of church and Adventist history. Um, Gotta love it. But uh, Ellen White, I mean, she was a firm advocate of Sola Scriptura. There's no question whatsoever. Uh, Not only does she write extensively about Martin Luther and her book, The Great Controversy and the Significance, she saw herself in that trajectory of the Reformation of of continuing to uphold the Word of God and God's people at the end of time being faithful to Scripture, which raises the question of how did she do it herself? Um, and this is where Sola Scriptura became very practical because during early in as the as our church was formed in our early Adventist history, sometimes people would go to Ellen White and say, hey, can you settle this and have a vision and just, you know, uh, resolve whatever conflict. Uh, And when there were debates going on within the church, even as her beliefs were forming, she said, you know, especially in those very first few years, my mind was locked. It wasn't until after they studied the Bible that then she would receive a vision later affirming the position that they had taken Uh. so when it came to scripture she both led through her own example and um, the last thing she did at the very end of her life was to hold up a Bible at general conference session 1909 and say I commend to you this book so she saw her writings as a lesser light to the greater light that she herself you know you compare Ellen White with other prophets in the 19th century who used their writings to as the lens through which to properly interpret the Bible. Mm-hmm. Ellen White never did that. Yeah. she Never did.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's, it's a, a great insight to look at and don't take our word for it. Read yeah. for yourself. This is uh, when I come across this, people saying, I don't know about Ellen White. Have you ever read her, you know, sure. pick up steps to Christ and tell me what you see that's wrong in there pick up Desire of Ages, pick up Great Controversy, and then come talk with me because a lot of people mm-hmm. have been turned off because there have been people that have misused her. Yeah. So don't listen to human words. Just like uh, you might have heard a bad sermon. Don't judge God based off of a bad sermon. Uh, or don't judge me based off of someone else's testimony about me. Judge me by, by what you meet, uh, uh, how you uh, interact with me. Mm-hmm. Interact with her. Interact with, with with the Word of God for yourself. Interact with Ellen White's writings for yourself.
1: Yeah, you know, I find that a lot of people that have misused or abused her writings really actually have never really read or seriously understood them. Not I'm not talking about going online and finding a quote to justify whatever you want to do or or not do perhaps, but yeah. to really read her writings. And you read books like Steps to Christ which you refer oh, to yes. Buster and Desire of Ages, you can't help but being drawn to Jesus, and I find myself still after many years of reading her writings uh, the more I read them, the more my heart's convicted said, Michael, you haven't been reading the Bible like you should. You need to read the scripture. You need to read the Bible. Get into the Bible. It's the word of God. And so that's kind of this general, you know, yes. ethos of one of the things I love about Ellen White. She's always pointing me to to Jesus and also to the primacy of scripture, my need, my individual personal need to to dig into the word of God.
0: And I pray that this lesson, is doing that, which is making our hearts burn within us, as it says there in Emmaus, uh, that we actually are driven to go back to the word, not just just read it, but to actually apply it to our lives and live it out.
1: Well, I think we uh, uh, hit home really on what is a great lesson. I hope that all of our listeners will Uh, just apply to themselves and read the Word of God. So uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap, put a wrap on this week. So this is uh, Sue and Swoops signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off.
0: or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.